Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet. Are you paying for your me time with just any credit card in your wallet? While you shouldn't stop treating yourself, you should start paying with a credit card that has perks. Nerd Wallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending. So, what could future you do with better rewards? A free flight? Room upgrades? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and term supply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Hi, my name is Lindsay Louie. CalHOPE is here for you with free mental health resources. Go to calhope.org to chat with a live person. Call their warm line at 1-833-317-HOPE. Hey, y'all, it's Caroline Hobby, host of Get Real with Caroline Hobby, interviewing the most fascinating people in Nashville and beyond. I talk to artists. I talk to the wives of artists. I talk to women entrepreneurs who have created businesses, who are moms, who juggle a million hats and do it all. Each episode will leave you inspired, feeling like you can accomplish your own dream and calling. Listen to new episodes of Get Real with Caroline Hobby every Monday on the Nashville Podcast Network, available on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, I'm Kaylee Short. On my podcast, Too Much to Say, I share my thoughts on everything from music to martinis, social media to social anxiety, regrets to risky texts, and so much more. I have been known to read my literal diary entries on my show, and sometimes I do interviews with my crazy group of friends. So if you guys want to tune in, you can hear new episodes of Too Much to Say every Wednesday on the Nashville Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to them. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie Couric, and welcome to Election Week and a special bonus episode of Turnout. This past weekend, on the cusp of the 2020 presidential election, the New York Times published an unprecedented collection by the paper's opinion writers called What Have We Lost? 15 essays on what the past four years have cost America. From innocence, conservatism, allies, pride, and for my guest today, David Brooks, faith. You talk about the floor of decency in your column. Explain what you mean by that. Yeah, my view is that most, at least modern presidents or politicians, they understood there are certain standards of behavior you don't sink below. And you may not like George Bush or Barack Obama, but they tried to 
be decent and civil and, and not be, you know, talk about their hand size. And to me, the crucial moment I write about in that column was the second Republican debate, which was all the way back in 2015, the primaries. I'm Jake Tapper. We're live at the Ronald Reagan Library in Simi Valley, California for the main event. And Donald Trump had gone after Carly Fiorina for the way she looks. And then he turned to Rand Paul, the senator from Kentucky, and he said, I never attacked him on his look. And believe me, there's plenty of subject matter right there that I can tell you. But Jake, Jake, I want to I want to give Jake, Mr. Trump. And I, at the, right now, that doesn't seem so shocking. Like Trump has done way worse. But at the moment, I was like, what is going on here that we have a presidential candidate who talks, makes fun of people's looks uh, and it got worse. But once you fall through the floor, there's no bottom. And as a society, we're trying to find a bottom. Well, I thought it was interesting. You write that people didn't seem to be morally repulsed by this. And there was no rise up against this kind of behavior. Peter Baker and I talked about how fragile these norms are, and they really require the key players in the system to adhere to them. And why do you think that that became acceptable and even praised in some quarters, that kind of language, that kind of derision? I think first, there's, we've gotten used to a certain, we watch enough reality TV, we get, get used to a certain level of crassness. Second, people have such low expectations of their politicians that they don't expect anything. And third, a lot of people feel the elites of society are trying to control their thought and speech with political correctness codes. And if somebody's going to break through those codes, they're like, yeah, I'm for that. And so I'd say those three things are the, are the main drivers. Let's talk about uh, elites versus everyone else. You know, um, you talk about these two armies and one is sort of college educated, you know, think of themselves as worldly and sophisticated. The other people are less perhaps educated, uh, have been left out of the American dream in many ways. And there are two sides in, in polarization. Um, how do we bring them together and what could each side do better? Yeah. Uh, well, first, um, we have a way to do this. It's called contact theory. You just bring people into contact with each other. And I got the 2016 election way wrong. And so I spent the next four years up until COVID going about 35 or 40 states a year, just really traveling and being with uh other people would call it going to a bar. I call it reporting. And so I'd sit <laughs> in the bar and just talk to people and, and, <clears throat> or breakfast club, diner. Uh, and I learned so much. I learned that people who voted for Trump, they're not all racists. There's a lot of complicated reasons people voted for that guy and still vote for that guy. I ran into a guy in South Dakota who said, the best day of my life, he was like 70, was 35 years ago. I got laid off at my job because I didn't have the skills and I thought I would just slip out. And I opened my office door and there were two rows of people, 3,500 people, the whole plant's um, workforce with a double rows. And he walked between them from his office door to his car door in the parking lot as they applauded and cheered him as he went. And he said, that was my best job. That was the best day of my life. Every job I've had since is worse. And so I need a change. And so he was going to vote for Donald Trump and everybody he knew was going to vote for Donald Trump. The communities are crumbling. I would say that two things that each side can do. First, the supporters of Trump can insist on honesty. 
You know, like we just got to have rules of honesty. Second, those of us in the more college-educated class, we have to persist in our efforts to get to know those people. Four years ago, we all read J.D. Vance's book and thought, oh, I'm going to try to get to know them. And then we sort of stopped. And we often condescend. And I'll say this as a media person, like like you, obviously. You know, of the mainstream media organizations, of the 5,000 people in them, how many of them are Trump supporters? Uh, very, very few. And if you tell 40% of the country your voice isn't worth hearing, well, they're going to react badly. And so we need to do a better job of integration and content. How do you do that, though, when you say that he's busted through the floor of decency? I mean, it's a real conundrum, I think, for people because they want to be fair. And yet someone who repeatedly lies and seems to have crashed through that floor how do you stand up to that? So that's a very difficult and tricky right. thing to navigate, is it not? Yeah, and even, you know, I've been on shows where we've had Trump supporters and they haven't behaved in a professional manner. So, I mean, we do have standards of profession for our profession. So that is a challenge of eventually we, you find some, but um, if breaking the norm is part of being a Trump supporter, then how do you, how do you work and collaborate? That, that is a genuine problem. But hopefully if Trump loses, we can have Trumpism without Trump. That the, the ideas that, could have, that he could have created an administration out of, of how to help uh, rural America, how to help industrial America, we can have people who champion those ideas without the norm-breaking behavior of Donald Trump. Do you think if, if elected Joe Biden will champion those ideas and reach out to those communities? Because it seems that they feel, and I think legitimately, that they're not being heard or valued. Yeah. And I think, I mean, and, and fortuitously, he's, I think, the right man for this moment because he comes from Scranton. He, he, condescension is not a note I've ever seen him hit. He doesn't do condescension. And so he just, I think he fits in naturally and has a natural rapport with people in working class communities that even Barack Obama did not have. Uh, and so I think he's well fit for this moment. Somebody just sent me a new ad he's done that Bruce Springsteen narrates uh, to his song, My Hometown. And it's about a guy from Scranton. Uh, and I do think he's rooted in that, these kind of small city, rural America, and has an agenda, which if he's smart, if he focuses an agenda that addresses deindustrialization, all the places that have hurt because mills close, then you particularly hit two communities and you hit them at the same time with the same program, African-Americans and rural whites. And to have a program that unites those two groups and helps them would be, I think, a great thing for this country. I also think if he could focus on retraining, you know, we've heard a lot about the transition from fossil fuels to, uh, you know, green energy. And I think that terrifies people who think it means they're going to lose their job. And I've never understood why such a small percentage of GDP is really focused on retraining individuals for the jobs of the future. You know, or at least getting us out of the model where you have to go to college to have a good job. Like uh, community college or apprenticeship programs are just a more effective way to give people the skills they need to succeed. They, you know, we send so many people to college and like, 25 or 30 of them, percent of them get through. And so we have a system that's failing 70% of the people. How can we stick with that? Not to mention the exorbitant cost of college, right. which just does not seem to be sustainable to me. 
Right, that's for sure. And colleges are now suffering. I don't know what's going to happen to higher ed in the years ahead. Let's talk about the crisis of legitimacy. You cite a survey that said... There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories. And we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet. Are you paying for your me time with just any credit card in your wallet? While you shouldn't stop treating yourself, you should start paying with a credit card that has perks. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? A free flight? Room upgrades? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and term supply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. In 1997, 64% of Americans had a good or great deal of trust in the wisdom of their fellow Americans. Today, it's only a third. Right. What happened? People took a look at each other's voting behaviors and they um, said, oh, those people are not only wrong, they're crazy or they're evil. And so they lost faith in each other. To me, the scariest statistic is trust in each other. Two generations ago, if you ask people out of the neighbor, are your neighbors trustworthy? 60% say yes. Now it's only 33% and only 19% of millennial and Gen Z. The younger you go, the more distrusting people are because they've been betrayed by experience. And so when you lose, when a church loses faith in God, the church collapses. When a nation loses faith in each other, the nation collapses. And somehow restoring trust in each other is like the elemental task. Joe Biden can win, but if we don't trust in our society, if we can't work together, we're still in deep trouble. We'll be back right after this short break. Hey, y'all, this is Caroline Hobby, the host of Get Real with Caroline Hobby. Honest women, honest talk. I love podcasting. It is so much fun because I have the most in-depth, spiritual, soulful, real, honest conversations with women who are mothers, who are entrepreneurs, who have started their own businesses, who are married to celebrities, who are celebrities themselves. These women are juggling motherhood, being a career woman, starting their own businesses, taking leaps, knowing when to jump. These women are incredible and the conversations are so real. It will hit every nerve in your body as a woman. A little bit about my 
myself. I was a country music artist in a trio. I traveled the country, open for every celebrity you can imagine in country music. I also have been on The Amazing Race twice, and I'm married to Michael Hobby, who is the lead singer of A Thousand Horses, and we have our precious daughter, Sunny, who's two. Listen to new episodes of Get Real with Caroline Hobby every Monday on the Nashville Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Robert Sex Reese, host of the Dr. Sex Reese Show. And every episode, I listen to people talk about their sex and intimacy issues. And yes, I despise every minute of it. I yeah. mean, she, she made mistakes too. Right? That's I mean, true. She, she did she, kill everyone at her wedding. But hell is real. We're all trapped here. And there's nothing any of us can do about it. So join me, won't you? Listen to the Dr. Sex Reese Show every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Executive producer Paris Hilton brings back the hit podcast, How Men Think. And that's good news for anyone that is confused by men, which is basically everyone. Get an inside look at what goes on in the mind of men from the men themselves. It's real talk, straight from the source. The How Men Think podcast is exactly what we need to figure them out. It's going to be fun, informative, and probably a bit scary at times because we're literally going inside the minds of men. As much as we like to think all men are the same, they're actually very different. Each week, a celebrity guest host provides honest advice in his area of expertise. When I agreed to do this reboot, I had a few conditions. No sugarcoating, no mind games, and absolutely no mansplaining. Men are hard enough to understand without the mind games. Listen to How Men Think on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's return to this special bonus episode of Turnout with my guest, New York Times columnist, David Brooks. Why is this election such a pivotal moment in our nation's history? I think we're at one of those moral convulsion moments that happens about every 60 years. From the 1770s, we had one. The 1830s, Andrew Jackson. The 1890s, Progressive Era. 1960s, the whole culture just suddenly shifts. You get a moment where you get a lot of indignation. People are disgusted with the state of society. A new generation comes on the scene, new communications technology, and suddenly the whole country just shifts ideas and it shifts culture. And I think we're at one of those inflection points where we either decide to be a diverse society or not. We either decide to be an equal society or not. And so these elemental questions uh, are on the table. You have said this is the result of 50 years of social decay. How so? Well, if you look at society in the 1950s, we had a lot of problems. We had racism, we had sexism, we had a lot of anti-Semitism, but we did have a lot of cohesion. We had very low income inequality. We had very low political polarization. We had a lot of people really active in their communities, a lot of people with a stable emotional bases. And over the last 50 years, we've had a culture of me, of culture of, I want to be free to be myself. And that's been great. And we've made a lot of progress, especially on race and gender and other issues but we've torn apart the connections between people. And so now you have more loneliness, more distrust, more isolation, more suicide rates, a third more depression. And so people, when you make them feel lonely and and alienated, they're gonna do what their evolutionary roots tell them to do. They're gonna revert to tribe and they've reverted to political tribes. And now we don't really see issues. We just say, what what army am I part of? Uh, And that's just been a horrible thing for our country. 
And let's talk about that some more, David. So our our basic sense of belonging has now translated into our political ideology and identity. Yeah. And and why is that so damaging for our society? Because it's asking more of politics than politics can bear. Politics at its best is a competition between partial truths. Republicans believe in freedom, Democrats believe in equality, and we need to somehow find balance between those two things. Uh, and it's about policies. It's about designing a healthcare system that'll actually work for people. But we've turned it into our ethnicity. My ethnicity is being a Republican or a Democrat. It's not being Polish American or Italian American or somebody from Dallas or a member of this church. It's politics. And when you turn politics into your ethnicity, then any compromise is dishonor. You're dishonoring your ethnicity. And so when you, you ask so much of politics, you turn politics into this war of all against all where there's no compromise. And then it's not really that satisfying. If you devote yourself to your community and your faith and your family, these are actually emotionally satisfying things. Politics, well, say, the things that are bringing us together are the things that we hate, not the things that we love. Yeah. We, and it's important to make the distinction between tribalism and community. And community is mutual love of a thing. Tribalism is mutual hate of another. And so it feels at first like community, but it's more like an addiction than an actual relationship. What can be done about this loneliness and isolation that has prompted people to take these sides or join these armies? Yeah, well, in my view, it, it would help if we weren't being ripped apart on a day-to-day -day basis from the top of our society. So that, that answer is political. But to me, this kind of isolation and loneliness can only be helped by at local level, at relationships and by forming groups and getting active in groups, active in community organizations, active in neighborhood organizations. You know, I was, became a member of an extended group about six years ago, 40 kids from DC who were like 20, and about eight of us who are older. And we had dinner every Thursday night for, for five years. And we really got in each other's business. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. This podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet. Are you paying for your me time with just any credit card in your wallet? While you shouldn't stop treating yourself, you should start paying with a credit card that has perks. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending. Some even offering 10 times points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? A free flight? Room upgrades? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and term supply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we learned to trust one another, and we became sort of a chosen family, uh, a forged family. And that's, that's how I found community, and I think everybody tries to find something like that. Do you think that the pandemic in some ways has added fuel to this partisan fire because people don't have enough to do and enough places to go and enough activities to participate in? We've become, it's increased the polarization. Yeah, I've super felt that we underestimate the emotional toll this has taken on us. Like just the pleasure of going to a club and watching music. Uh, A lot of pleasures are suddenly denied us. And then we're, we're stuck looking at each other, the Twitter version of each other, not the real version of each other. And so you've seen this shocking rise in depression. There was a poll out about the middle of this year where they asked people, have you, young adults, have you contemplated suicide in the last 30 days? And like a third had. And so we're just living at a time of tremendous just emotional stress. And it's showing up in all sorts of ways, especially in politics. Can we talk about identity politics and how that has prohibited both a conversation about policy that allows for nuance and an environment that uh, also allows for compromise? Yeah, I mean, if if your identity is at at stake at your policy positions, then you, you feel your identity threatened at every moment and you can't compromise. And so if your identity is based somewhere else, then you, you're not at stake, you're not at risk of annihilation. Uh, the other thing that I think has been worrying recently, we're being not very cheerful, but we'll be cheerful, um, is uh, just the idea that we can't really communicate with each other. I can never really understand your experience and you can never really understand mine. We can't understand each other across difference. And I have great faith in reciprocal dialogue and conversation in what you've spent your career doing, interviewing people. I, the, when I was on this trip to understand the world and Trump voters, I really became convinced the interview, it's such a blessing in our profession. The interview is what helps us make contact with each other and learn about each other. And if we don't do that, and a lot of people don't, then you just don't know. You just don't know. And you can do all the academic sociological data you want. But if you don't do the interview, you don't know. And it's all punditry now. It's all uh, commentary and punditry. and it distresses me that people aren't going out and talking to regular people. I mean, when is the last time you saw that except for the pro forma, you know, diner conversation during the primaries? Right. No, I agree. But don't knock punditry to living. Uh, but, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, you know, I wrote 16 columns saying, don't worry, in 2015, don't worry, Donald Trump will never get the Republican nomination. And at the time, I was working for the New York Times, living in Washington and teaching at Yale. So I was in the Acela my whole life. So like, how could I get out of touch with America with those three things? So, so I had to break out and, and spend time with people. And, and now I, I have a fair number of friends and even close family members who are supporting Donald Trump. And um, it's been useful because so many of them are super confident he's going to win, 100% sure. And, but it's just been useful to hear the arguments, hear the points of view, which are not not the simple, obvious ones that we assign to those people. When we come back, what are we going to do with all this anger we have? 
Raffi is the voice of some of the happiest songs of our generation. Baby Beluga. So who is the man behind Baby Beluga? Every human being wants to feel respected. When we start with young children, all good things can grow from there. I'm Chris Garcia, comedian, new dad, and host of Finding Raffi, a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Fatherly. Listen every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm Kaylee Shore. I'm a singer-songwriter in Nashville, Tennessee, and I host a podcast called Too Much to Say, which is very aptly titled. I write songs most of the time, but I can't keep my feelings to three minutes and 30 seconds. So to have a whole podcast, it's just amazing. So I share stories from my music career, my childhood. I've been known to read diary entries, play unreleased songs. But no matter what I'm doing, I'm sharing a strong opinion I have on something. So I share my thoughts on everything from music to martinis, social media to social anxiety, regrets to risky texts, and so much more. Sometimes I even have some really special guests on to share their craziness and what they have too much to say about. So you guys can listen to new episodes of Too Much to Say every Wednesday on the Nashville Podcast Network. Available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm John Gonzalez, the host of Sports Illustrated Weekly. Sports Illustrated has delivered the best storytelling in sports for 70 years. First in the pages of the magazine, then on SI.com, and now that tradition continues on a new podcast. Each week, we'll dive deep into the best stories from around the sports world. We'll ask the questions that we're all wondering and push for the answers we all want. Everything from investigating the Super Bowl's impact on LA to examining why booing is as big a part of the fan experience as cheering. Sports Illustrated Weekly is here to bring you the entertaining tales you can't get anywhere else. The kinds of stories that make you smile and laugh, clap and cry, marvel, think, and fall in love with sports all over again. Sports Illustrated Weekly is available every Wednesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe now. Let's talk about wokeness, because I like this quote. You say it's partly about fighting oppression, but it's also become a status symbol. It's showing people that you are so intellectually evolved that you can use words like intersectionality, decolonizing, and cultural appropriation. Political correctness is not just a means for the less privileged to set standards of behavior. It is sometimes the way people with cultural power push others around. How can the left listen to the silent majority rather than patronize them? How do we find a national discourse? Yeah, I mean, it's people take advantage of the power they have. And wokeness is a movement that emerged out of universities. And it comes thick with university jargon. It comes thick with the belief that all words are power. And you can't have a conversation, I'm just asserting my power with my words. And therefore, my words need to be controlled. And that to me is wrong. Words are not power. Words are mutual explorations to find, you know, ways to live together and be friends. Uh, and so the impulse to censor words and use the power of your cultural position to silence others is not only in the university, is not only in the media, it's widespread. There was a study, 62% of Americans say they're afraid to state their political opinions for fear that other people will shout them down. That's a lot of people. That's the majority of Americans who are afraid to be honest. And so I, my friends, and I obviously I'm a New York Times columnist. 
I'm in the precincts of cultural power. And a lot of people in those precincts don't appreciate how much power they have and how, like all power, it can corrupt you and you can abuse it. And we abuse it when we try to uh, use it to shout down and silence others. But don't you think the, the right wing is just as guilty? I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't see many people going on Fox feeling comfortable expressing a different point mm -hmm. of view. Oh, no, they're super right wing wokeness just as well. Literally, people get canceled on the right for not totally being with Donald Trump, for having some opinion or, you know, for being for gay marriage. I mean, there's um, there wherever these days there's um, wokeness or whether there's political extremism, there's intolerance of difference. And I do think there's wokeness on the right just as much as on the left. I also am concerned that people can have a nuanced position, that they can't support Black Lives Matter and want to get to the root of systemic racism, but also appreciate what good police officers do and yet also see the need for police reform. It seems to me you have to pick one side or the other when you know all things may be true. Yeah, and I've admired Joe Biden for this. It, for saying, yes, we have systemic racism, but America is still a very lovely country. Yes, we, we want to, uh, we Black Lives Matter, but we also need some law and order. So these are false binaries, and I think he's done a good job. There was a student group at University of Wisconsin this week who, I think they took down a statue of Abraham Lincoln, or they did something to cancel Abraham Lincoln. And like, you can think two things at once about Lincoln. One, by our standards, his views on race were not evolved, not correct. But you can also realize the guy gave his life to end slavery. Uh, so he did just tremendous good in, over the course of his life. And you should be able to have both those things in your mind at the same time. And the same thing is happening to Thomas Jefferson, who established my alma mater, the University of Virginia. There's a, a culture war of sorts erupting there with people feeling like he should not be sort of the patron saint of the university, somebody to be idolized. And there are those who say, you know, don't mess with Jefferson. Right. Yeah, my rule on that is we should cancel somebody if the main thing they're known for is disgraceful. So at Yale, there was a Calhoun College named after right, John right. Calhoun. Right, right. I did a whole thing on this, and that was the determination. What is the primary uh, accomplishment of that individual? And for John C. Calhoun, it really was perpetuating slavery. Right. And Jefferson is writing the Declaration of Independence, being president. And the, the difficult case is um, Washington and Lee University. Uh, you know, my poverty late Oh, really? Yeah. Well, very fine school. I love, 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 I've been there many times. I love that place. My view is Lee, Washington Lee became Washington Lee because Robert E. Lee became president of the college after the Civil War. So maybe they're celebrating him for that. But other things like at Virginia Military Institute right next door, they just took down a statue of Stonewall Jackson. And maybe that's legit. Uh, it's, it's tough for them because he was the great hero and he led the students at BMI out to battle. But uh, maybe that's that stuff is legit. I, I um, my view is the statues, the Confederate statues. Some of them should come down, but mostly we should just put up other statues, statues that memorialize those who were victims of lynching, who led the fight for reconstruction, for abolition, for civil rights. I'd love to see them contextualized a little more than Jordan now. 
I know that's one option. I sort of feel that they should be taken down if they're in a prominent position, because to me, statues in public spaces telegraph the values of that community. So I think it's yeah. kind of hard to have both, but I, I, I take your point because I know some people feel that way. I think they should belong in, in museums and be explained as a really critical part of our history, but not necessarily as the centerpiece of a community. Yeah, I, I see that. Where I live in Washington, D.C., I'm right near a thing called Lincoln Park, and there's a statue which was put up by former slaves of Lincoln, toward Lincoln, in homage of him, but it's him standing over a kneeling African-American slave who's breaking free. The first time I saw that, I thought, what is that doing there? Like, why is the, the African-American guy kneeling at Lincoln's feet? But it, it was put up by, uh, and I've had long debates with people in the park about that statue. And at first I thought, well, it was a historical moment. Frederick Douglass did a, a very famous speech right there. Um, but I think it should probably go to a museum, maybe. Your colleague Maureen Dowd wrote about how it's exhausting to be this outraged all the time. And we do seem to be in a permanent state of anger and outrage, lashing out at people who probably have much more in common with us than we realize. And you say permanent indignation is not a healthy emotional state. How do we de-escalate this anger and how do we prevent this from being our default emotion? Because it seems like it's been this way for quite a while now. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, if Biden wins, he's just less outrageous than Donald Trump, whatever you think of his views. And he's, what really struck me is, remember that, that a couple of weeks ago, they both had town halls at the same time. Yes. And you knew going in that Biden's was going to be more boring than Trump's and indeed it was. But more people watch Biden's than watch Trump's. And that said to me that people are ready for a little boredom, a little, boredom, a little normal political discussion. And I do think, A, if Biden wins, we won't have to think about the presidency all the time. And B, frankly, for a lot of us, it's easy clickbait to just outrage about Trump all the time. And maybe politics will be less central and we can go, I, like, I prefer writing about culture than I do to politics. But I can't do that now because people only read one subject, which is politics. So I'd love to be able to go back and write about cultural stuff and moral stuff and emotional stuff. And I think we would all just, blood pressure would just go down. I thought we could talk um, a little bit about weavers and what you're doing with that. Yeah, no, weavers are people who are at the local level building community. That One of them, for example, is a guy, Pancho Aguilas, who um, uh, he takes uh, undocumented immigrants who've broken their backs and been paralyzed by construction accidents. And he gives them wheelchairs and diapers and catheters so they can lead lives with dignity. And then he organizes them. They all become uh, social workers. So you'll be in a neighborhood and 50 Latino guys in wheelchairs will roll in your neighborhood to, to do good work for you. Uh, and so those people are everywhere. We, you know, at the Weave Project, we go around the country. We land in a little town, McCook, Nebraska, Wilkes, North Carolina. And we say, who's trusted here? And immediately we find 75 people who are just love their town and they want to serve it. And they do. And what we, we do is we try to lift them up, maybe give them some resources, connect them with each other, make them more powerful figures in our society so we can all sort of copy them a little. David, how can Trump supporters and Biden supporters learn to respect one another? Yeah, repeating back to each other what we believe. <laughs> like, here's why, I, I, tell me if I'm right, here's why I think you believe what you believe. And, and just having a conversation that way. I've, 
I, people basically want respect and a lot of people feel invisible. When I would go to the Midwest years ago, I, once a week I'd hear, oh, you guys regard this as flyover country. And then two years ago, that, I heard that eight times a day. People just don't feel seen. They, they feel they're ignored and looked down upon. And if you, you know, I, by, I think you show respect to Trump voters in, who follow you. And that's the first step is showing basic respect. And of course, we're going to disagree. That, that's called democracy. But uh, disagreeing with a, a show of affection and respect and with a sense that we all do love the same country. Uh, and I think a lot of people who are voting for Trump uh, are afraid that we don't all love the same country. We don't all love our country. And some people just want to run it down and change it. Uh, and I think Biden, again, has done a good job of saying, hey, I love America. This is the America. This is my country. And um, if we have that mutual affection, then we have something in common. Hey, listeners, I'll be back in just a few days with my post-election episode of Turnout. In the meantime, I'd love to hear your voting story, whether you voted early in person, sent in your mail-in ballot, or are planning to vote on Election Day. Tell me what your experience was like and how it felt, good or bad. You can call 844-479-7883 and leave your name in a short 30-second message, and we may share it on an upcoming episode. Again, that number is 844-479-7883. Happy voting, everyone. Turnout is a production of iHeartMedia and Katie Couric Media. The executive producers are Katie Couric and Courtney Litz. Supervising producers, Lauren Hansen. Associate producers, Derek Clements, Eliza Costas, and Emily Pinto. Editing by Derek Clements and Lauren Hansen. Mixing by Derek Clements. Our researcher is Gabriel Loser, and special thanks to my right-hand woman, Adriana Fazio. You can follow me in all my election coverage at Katie Couric. Meanwhile, yes, I'm Katie Couric. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time. Hi, my name is Lindsay Louie. CalHOPE is here for you with free mental health resources. Go to calhope.org to chat with a live person. Call their warm line at 1-833-317-HOPE. From Cavalry Audio comes the new true crime podcast, The Shadow Girls. I grew up near the banks of the Green River and in the shadow of the killer that bears its name. Prosecutors described him as a serial killer savant. But this podcast isn't only about tracking down the killer. It's about the victims. We stayed in the woods. He always liked to go in the woods. Listen to The Shadow Girls on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown on the Nashville Podcast Network, a podcast where in each episode, you're going to get at least four things that will hopefully contribute to your life in a positive way. Uh, Guests come on like celebrities or therapists or doctors or maybe even just my friends. And everyone shares stories that may inspire, motivate, or sometimes just give you a much needed laugh. We cover topics that range from therapy to gratitude. Listen to Four Things with Amy Brown on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This 
is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.